This is the Podswoggle Network, a podcast network with entertainment. Welcome back, couch potatoes and TV junkies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picked Up. My name is Robert, and as always, I'm sitting here with my good friend, former roommate and co-host, Rich. Thank you, Robert, for that sweet introduction. Oh, my pleasure, Rich. Yes, here at Picked Up, what we do is every week we select a different pilot episode of a television series to watch and then use as a point of discussion, both about itself and then about the broader ideas of television. And life. And life. And we get into a lot lot of different topics here. It's really nice. Have you been watching anything lately, Rich? Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, I'm so caught off guard. That's oh. usually what I ask you. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. oh, no. I'm flustered. I'm so unprepared. Um. Oh, no. Oh, no. Aside from the regular shit that I've been watching. Um. Well, I'll, I'll tell our viewers right now, in this living room where we record, I can see an episode of Cheers on the television yes. right now. I am uh, on the uh, latter half of season six of Cheers. Um, it's the first Rebecca Howe season who is that that's uh uh kirstie alley oh okay yeah oh okay yeah i know who that is um kirstie alley foxy dude foxy foxy mama pretty funny too as i recall yeah very 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 funny um yeah the first diane-less season yeah um and it definitely got off to a weird start because the premise is like uh, Sam sold his bar to like a corporation. Uh, it's a, and it's a corporation that like doesn't really change too much about a bar <laughs> when they take it over. Yeah, but, like everyone had to like wear uniforms when they got back and stuff like that. Um, and so like Sam had to come back because the boat that he bought with the money that he sold Cheers with like sanks and he and he didn't have anything. And so like he has to come back begging for a job. And so like Sam comes back and it's not his bar anymore. And it's kind of weird. I'm still not used to that. That is an interesting premise. Let me ask about the the backstory of selling cheers, buying a boat, and it's sinking. Did any of that take place on screen? Like, or was that all all off season? All off season. See, I love that. I yep. love. I think that's like retro sitcom. Like, you won't believe it, <laughs> but this happened, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I bet it did. Well, that's the kind of cool thing about this show is they've had. Uh, uh, like season finales and season premieres where like literally it'll pick up on the other end of a phone call, which was season four to five. Uh, sometimes it'll like be the next day. Sometimes it'll be a year in the future. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be like a few months in the future. Like they just do whatever's appropriate. Like it's never, it's never like a, a set thing, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, let's just move shit along. Um, when they introduced Woody, well, it was like it was like they put it like a couple months after Coach passed, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah, so, but it's been really, really fucking funny. That's great. And uh, you know, you get to see like the progression. I'll give it to the show as well. Like in a, a era before. DVRs and like people were gonna pay attention to like continuity or anything like that. 
there will be like comments and jokes or just references made in this show that like will reference something from two seasons beforehand. And you're just like, did they? Were they just talking about? Hell yeah! That's awesome. That's really cool because you like. There's no way you could have expected people to like remember that. Yeah, the age of people with wikis or like you said fan sites anything like that even yeah. just the resources to go back and yeah. see old episodes yeah you're either watching it live or if you're watching old episodes because you're like recording them on videotape yeah you like taped and archive them yeah <laughs> like a crazy person like a crazy person imagine how insane just it's gonna be okay vhs tape if you so it's 2015 if you took a 15-year-old kid right now, someone born 2000, do they know what a VHS tape is? And if they do, at what point are we going to get it? We're going to get that kid who's like, I, I don't know what this is. Well, I want to I wanna say, like, they kept making VHS up until, like, like the mid-2000s. Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like they finally phased it out and, like, I don't know. Whenever yeah, I associate a lot with like the Disney library yeah. as like the last great like VHS library or something. And that, yeah, it seemed to stop around like, I don't know, 2003, 2005. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Somewhere between 03 and 05 is when they kind of like started to finally sort of phase it out of stores and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I guess someone would have. This is going to sound really bad, but they're. We'd probably have to grow up really poor <laughs> <laughs> to like still have to be able to watch stuff on VHS, and it would have to be like really, really early memories. Yeah, really early yeah. memories. Because I didn't get my mom a DVD player until I was in college, which had to have been around like oh six or oh seven. I want to say the earliest exposure I ever had to using a DVD would have been having a PS two. Yes. So me what too. what's that like two two thousand two two thousand three or something? Yeah, for Maybe. me that was around o two because the first man I had was man o two. Yeah, uh, so that would have been a one technically. Yeah, so but I yeah. think that would be technically the first DVD player I ever had mm-hmm. either. Uh, and then, did you get the uh, the DVD remote uh, for the PS two? Um, I don't think I did, yeah. but. Uh, I, you know what? I think I remember getting a lot of off-brand accessories. Like nothing Pia, nothing Sony yeah. accessory. Like all off-brand memory cards, off-brand controllers. <laughs> and that's like, that is an arena where like you will really probably see a difference, you know? It really is. The memory cards I've never really had a problem with. Uh, but yeah, definitely the controllers were oh. always like a problem. Um and yeah, some of the other stuff. I remember like when they first started introducing, and they were always all the off-brand. They were never Sony, but they started introducing like a wireless controllers. Mm-hmm. And I'd like look at those and go like, "There's no way that fucking works well." Yeah, it's like no, no, it can't be. Yeah. <laughs> and then like I had this little bit of like old person technology distrust when like PS3 and Xbox 360 had like wireless controllers. It's like, no, nah, there's no way that fucking works well. Yeah. Well, I'm not getting one of those. I do remember being pretty blown away having a, my roommate having a 360 and it and it having consistently working wireless controllers. Yeah, once I like actually yeah. saw it, I was just like, "Well, shit, I could play this from anywhere. I'm uh, free." Yeah. 
not that we usually do this much reminiscing necessarily, but since we're on the topic of like the first time, you know, you used blank or whatever, do you remember the first time you used Netflix or the first appearance of Netflix for you? Oh, um, cause we want, I mean, again, we watch 90% of all yeah. the shows on this, on our it podcast was, through Netflix. It was as soon as I got my PS3. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I got my PS3, uh, just, uh, so my, did you go directly into streaming or did you ever do like the disc no. service? I've never, <laughs> I've never been signed up for Netflix, like oh. of my own, <laughs> out of my own pocket. I have, Hey, uh, listen, <laughs> this is not mine. It's not. <laughs> Uh, when I first got my PS3, I was living with my roommate Madison, and so she had an account with her family, so she just signed signed in on there. Um, Thanks, Maddie. Thank you, Maddie. And then um, had that for a while until uh, we moved out, and then like her family stopped using Netflix; they just stopped using it. And so uh, then uh, my subscription was uh, uh, well. But had some people over one night, and uh, Tim Anderson logged in, and I just never logged out. So thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. I think we give Tim an executive producer credit we on this do show at the beginning. And then, and now that I moved in with Liz Anderson, uh, she moved in, and she even made me like a profile of my own on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, so now I use Liz's Netflix. Thanks, Liz. Well, thank you all. I'd love to <laughs> raz Rich for this, but I can only imagine how many, how many times this has played out for the entire Netflix customer base. Well, I mean, that's totally why they have multiple profiles. And they even had a commercial, like, saying as such. Like, uh, uh, like somebody running, like, through the airport to, like, catch somebody to be like, hey, one more thing. What's your Netflix password? That's right. I do remember that. Like, that's that's great. And it's, like, not exactly the most ideal business model for them. But for them to embrace that is fucking, like, cornerstone. Because you just got to, like, go to where what the people want you gotta gotta give the people what they want you gotta give the people what they want and absolutely otherwise they're just gonna find other ways to get it without you fucking liking it yeah um and it's not like i've ever gone and been like hey can i have your netflix login info like it's always been a, a oh yeah no, no no i got netflix i'll just i'll just sign in mm-hmm. or like for like in the case of tim we were just all over what and we wanted to watch something and it was actually maddie was there and uh, I go to log in, and it doesn't log in. I'm like, hey, Maddie, what happened? Oh, so, oh, yeah, we got rid of it. So Tim's just like, yeah, I'll log in. Wow. Yeah. It was like serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah, that so, worked out well. you know, I have been a, like, an offered upon mooch for my entire Netflix duration. Mm. <laughs> you know? Never gone seeking it out. No, no. Um. Yeah, no. You're uh, a serendipitous mooch. Yeah, Just right place, exactly. right time, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking uh, lucky mooch. My family got Netflix when it was a male disc service. Now, that's what I'm talking about. So, you know you know what? I would appreciate if Netflix would send my family even a thank you. Because at this point, we've been members with Netflix for like at least like 11 years. Yeah. Like a long time. And... um. Man, it was great. It was it was so exciting. It combined both like the actual, you know, obviously the internet convenience of this library, mm-hmm. um, along with the excitement of like, oh, the mail's here. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I got a DVD. <laughs> and it was it was so much fun. And they had weird, 
that you know again like i have to say my only criticism maybe nowadays as opposed to the old days is like the it is it is a very like kind of current um library kind of very popular they've shifted it kind of feels a lot more towards television as well and yeah. original programming than so much films um, and I know, like, it was always in the works to, you know, move to streaming off of, like, sending the physical discs, which, what do you think they've, like, they obviously still offer it, but what do you think they've done with most of those discs? I don't know, man. Again, it's probably like this, you know, Like homeless shelters old, or something? Just coasters. Just <laughs> that. There's a, next, Netflix is in, they get 99.9% .9 of their revenue from their streaming service, and then on the side, they just have this killer coaster business. It's all DVDs. Killer coasters. Killer coasters in like some European country. <laughs> but as a, you know, again, uh, yeah, Netflix, uh, do something nice for me and my family and get some more old movies. I have been, uh, I'm a little bit saddened at the, a dearth is like an abundance, right? A dearth of something? No, 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 no. A dearth is Is, a is lacking? lacking? Yeah, okay. Yeah. The dearth of classic movies is, uh, I'm not down with. A few years ago, I feel like they had like a solid selection of like good old movies. Yeah, um, I know what I really need probably is to get on Hulu and get access to the Criterion's. Yeah, that is a pretty good look by Hulu. Yeah, to have that. Um, what uh, I'll tell you what I there was a period in college where I was looking into getting Netflix. And I remember I was doing comparison shopping between Netflix's uh, send uh, mail away service and Blockbuster's mail away mm. service. Mm -hmm. And Blockbuster advertised like about 10,000 more movies than Netflix did. Uh, so like I almost went <laughs> with the Blockbuster mail away service. Uh, and, I, you know, I, probably part of that was because of, of brand name recognition. Mm -hmm. Part of that was just being from South Florida and, and Blockbuster was owned by Wayne Huizenga, a South Florida millionaire staple. Like he was like the Mr. Burns of Miami. Um, uh, uh, except he did like a lot more good. Uh, he like did a lot of boys and girls, girls club stuff. And oh, like that's that. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was an old bald guy. <laughs> that was a millionaire. Um, and then, yeah. And then I just didn't pull the trigger on, on either of them. On either. Yeah. yeah. Man, this has been a lot of nostalgia off the bat. Cause then I was just thinking about going, Actually going into a blockbuster. When was the last time you went to a blockbuster? Dude, I used to go my freshman year of college. Uh, my uh, The roommate that I had, he like hooked it up with like DVD burning software. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to fucking blockbuster like on the reg. Yeah. And like rent DVDs, go home, burn the fuck out of them, mm -hmm. and then bring them back. I used to do that a lot. I spent... So much dumb money doing that. Oh, my God. Oh, there's a reason why I forgot about it so I could sleep at night. God Spend so it. much money making coasters. It's more coasters, yeah. man. Yeah. You can take some coasters with you when uh. you leave. Because now it's not like they'll play on anything either. Like, Yeah, that's the fucked up part. It's like if it would just universally play, it would be awesome. But I remember burning software being like really specific. Like you need a specific disc. Yeah. And you, you know, it could only play on certain shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I was pretty, I was doing pretty well. Like, it helped me, you know, uh, uh, stay relevant within <laughs> with my friends for a few years. Sure. But, you know, you got to reinvent yourself. You got to find something new. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I remember, like, uh, 
Blockbuster would have, um, they would try to do like TV series as well. Uh, they have those available, but like they would always be because in the TV series box sets, like they sometimes break the seasons up too. Yes, they do. So you'd have to like rent like Lost season one, episodes one through six. Yeah. And like then they wouldn't have, you know, the second part. Then the next thing they'd have was like season two, episode like fucking 12 through 18. It's like, well, this is. This is no good. You can kind of see how like the way things happen, like it had to happen. Like to, to take all that information of a show or a season of a show and have it in any viable like physical form in the dawn of the 21st century wasn't going to happen. Nowadays, it's you could do it way easier. You could have a blockbuster just filled with with thumb drives. Like yeah. like 20 gig thumb drives and be like, "Yeah, I can give you all the seasons." Right? Dude, maybe we should f- maybe we should found Blockbuster again. <laughs> now that the data and storage has caught up, Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's still like incredibly <laughs> inefficient. Oh, yeah. It's still, like, it's still like millions of times just like, uh, but like, even if you want to do something different, you could just like give it to me on the cloud, I guess. Every picture still involves like, so you leave your house. Nope. No, thank you. Like, no. Nope. Well, here's what we'll do is we'll, it'll still be a storefront. Um, and we'll just have like a karaoke book of <laughs> things that we'll have. <laughs> Like a binder. <laughs> People can select it. Uh, and then we just like send them uh, uh, the file, the access to the file, and we'll call it Dropbox Bluster. Dropbox Drop Bluster. Fuck that, fuck that up again. Drop Blockbuster. Nope, because then it sounds like people should I think Drop Buster. Drop. Drop Buster. <laughs> That's like a finishing move. The Drop Buster. Drop Buster. Uh, uh, the Crop Duster. Um <laughs> <laughs> Crop Duster—that's the name of our <laughs> data rental store. Yeah, yeah, I go to Crop Dusters. Uh, uh, gonna get I'm a movie for the night. You know, get pizza. Go to Crop Dusters. The one thing that that old model, that old style of renting movies, had on anything that we have today is the fact that just like a fucking movie theater, they had overpriced snacks and drinks and popcorn that you could buy right there. Oh yes, they which did. Which is like. That's whoever suggested that they start doing that. Like whatever corporate board meeting was like, yeah, we need to sell like concessions and shit. Like not fresh, obviously, but like we just need to have those impulse items there. Like they should have fucking become VP because like, yeah, oh, yeah. it makes sense. It makes it makes all the fucking sense in the world. It's genius. You can't have it. But, you know, now you can just order food to your house. Yeah. And just shove it in your fucking face that way. Oh, man. You know, again, I didn't grow up in like the 80s, but like I just caught the tail end of all this stuff. But like the other thing they had was, um, you know, attendant, like real human beings. Yeah. Ranged from, you know, snooty to cool. The uh, I always, always, always wanted to work at a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. I like you and I were like destined forever. Yeah. And and yeah, the art of of being a rental store clerk was something that if you gave any sort of shit about movies, 
it appealed to you. Oh, yeah. A lot more than working in a movie theater because you don't get a chance to talk about them. You don't mm-hmm. get people asking you, hey, what about this? They know what they're going for at a movie theater. Oh, yeah. There, you're like, you're helping curate opinions. Yeah, you you pride yourself on your knowledge and your and your opinions. You're you know? trusted. You get to put your pickup on a part of the wall. Mm-hmm. Man, the, oh, man. Oh, we should do that. We should just, I don't know. Well, we need a store. Damn it. <laughs> That would be that would be really cool if uh, Netflix. I'm surprised they haven't done this by now. If for you can use your Netflix profile, like you do your Spotify profile, where you can make like a playlist. Yeah, I'm shocked that hasn't happened yet. Make a playlist that'd be awesome. Yeah, or just like like my top whatever, and like you can just go and like search like you know. Yeah, I can go find Rich's yeah. top ten movies. You can find my top ten movies. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm sh- I, I, I'm baffled that that hasn't happened yet. Man, we just churn out good ideas. Yeah here yeah then they're they're <sighs> they just go to waste man anyway um oh what was the first uh is the last uh nostalgia question i'll ask uh what was the first dvd you bought the first dvd i bought that is great um like you know your money or like with a gift card i was very very into a whole subset of like the kind of knowledge of movies is also like it, there's a real particular subset but it was like dvd editions you know because okay. there's always like your five dollar cheap ass yeah edition and then there's your like even aside from the criterions which are like exclusive films there's like the the best dvd edition of this i think i got a two disc edition of fight club and that was i think my first dvd that is for our generation like that's the first dvd you buy oh yeah like that you, you nailed that oh yeah um mine I bought with a Best Buy gift card because my dad got me an Xbox for Christmas. I had a PlayStation 2, and I just wasn't feeling Xbox. This is back when the controller was like the size of a dinner plate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, really appreciate that, but I already got one. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a PlayStation 2. So I took it back, got Best Buy credit. Oh, so you got like $300 yeah, Best oh, Buy credit. Yeah, I, I, I fucking went ham with that shit hell yeah dude um and take that uh, dad (laughs) (laughs) first dvd i bought was the two disc uh special edition of uh dogma Uh, because it was high school and i was getting really into kevin smith like oh yeah like you also do in high school Mm um yeah still have that and uh yeah i think i introduced to the world of dvd extras that's also when i bought the dvd remote as well for the playstation good call yeah good call uh but yeah so aside from cheers <laughs> i'm also uh, uh oh you remember last time we talked about fargo i was like man needs more nick offerman yes fucking they delivered two weeks ago good and call. it it was the best episode of the season it was fucking like even beyond offerman just having an ex like a, a a bigger role it was just a fucking crusher of an episode that's great it was so great i really think you'd like the show yeah Um, i have to get on it again it's anything i mean i have netflix and and that's it so anything that's not on there i have to find ways to to procure yeah and i think you you'd especially like this season like this season has a cool vibe that i think you would sort of dig um i've also uh been watching ash versus the evil dead Ooh. Which, all I'll say is this. If you liked or appreciated Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, they fucking nail it. Um, and it's great. And it's one of those things where uh, they all the old style 
like of things that they they do from those movies that they do in the show, they nail and it looked great and it's everything you remember. And then like in this uh, uh, the episode two weeks ago, they like have some amazing, really cool effects and that looks great too. And it completely like doesn't take you out of the aesthetic of the show. You know, I like the evil dead because it is obviously like you said, it's, it's evil dead, evil dead Two, army of darkness, the remake. And now this show, and you could probably throw the play in there too, but like for being, have you ever listened to the soundtrack? No, no, it's no. bonkers. It's I, so fucking funny. I remember when it was in town and yeah. we should have gone and checked it out. But, um, I like it because, um, for just being like one franchise, it's almost like a genre. It has got a very, or at least that's kind of almost how I think of it. It's like very distinct in that, like it's got the mix of humor, but also again, like the effects, like also, I mean, it's like people can kind of overlook it. Like they can get really scary. Like yeah. the possessions and the monsters in, in one and two yeah. are pretty fucking frightening. There were, um, in, in this, uh, uh, in the third episode, there was, you know, the the part with the cool effects that I was talking about. It had a really, because that was a cool thing about Drag Me to Hell uh, that I really liked. It was, you know, it had that funny, but it was also it had that comedy, but it was also very slick and scary as well. Mm-hmm. And that's like the elements that it brought to that particular episode. Um, it was like it looked great, and it was like legitimately scary. Yeah, like it wasn't playing for laughs, and like. That's always a, a fucking really effective transition where you can go from ha 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 to oh shit. Yeah, being legitimately freaked out. Yeah. Also, cross connection. Uh, Evil Dead series, uh, written, directed, mostly created by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Go back a couple weeks to Sequest. Ted Raimi. You realize Ted Raimi's on Sequest? Shit. Ted Raimi's like the nerdy navigations officer. <laughs> can you believe that that's fucking nuts i know i didn't realize that till obviously after we recorded but yeah isn't that crazy that is really crazy so hey so i'm trying to do this acting thing for a little bit i'm yeah. trying oh well, you book anything yeah i'm on this uh it's the next star trek it's the next star trek <laughs> it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome roy scheider's on it i got a pretty recurring i got more than one line too <laughs> Yes, everyone, Ted Raimi, brother of Sam Raimi. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so interesting, yeah. weird connection. Um, and then also uh, the cast is really good, too. Um, cool. Uh, Are we getting Bruce Campbell in, like, every episode, like, substantially? Yeah, or is he just, like, ping, ping? He's ping. Ash. Oh. It's Ash versus the Evil Dead. There you man. go. True. Um, and Lucy Lawless is on the show, and she's great. Um, <clears throat> she had a reoccurring role uh, the last few seasons of Parks and Rec, which was fucking awesome. Nice. Uh, just... It was awesome just to see her in like that role in that particular light. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's another person who like hasn't there have been as many iterations of his performance, but Bruce Campbell's been playing Ash since like nineteen eighty two. Yeah. It's like it's been a long fucking yeah. time that he's been that. Yeah. He probably has a lot of different feelings about that. He's in a mm-hmm. he's in an episode of Fargo. Uh, this season. Ooh. Yeah. He plays uh, presidential candidate Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and That's cool. He It's great. He's great. One of my favorite TV watching moments of the year so far is, um, oh shit, what's his name? 
in a Wet Hot American Summer, the prequel series. Showalter. Is Showalter's <laughs> Show Ronald Reagan. Reagan. That's so fucking great. Is probably is it definitely in my top ten of TV moments <laughs> for the year. Because it's such a bad Reagan too. It is in in the economy of it. You're getting like especially the first time you see it, you get like two you get like a minute of it. Yeah. And it just is one of the best jokes in that entire series. One of my favorite parts is when he just plunges his hand into like the bowl of wolves, like M&M's or whatever. Like Jelly nuts. beans. Jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, boys. <laughs> he just throws them at his face. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, nice. impersonations are really hot this year. They're on hot TV. this year. Uh, a show that I've stopped watching officially, uh, Last Man on Earth. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, I couldn't watch it anymore. Wow, it was just, it was fucking repetitive, and it was just unpleasant to watch. There was just nothing going on for it. Like mm. the, nobody liked each other. I didn't like any of the other fucking characters. Again, it started out so great, the way the show should be just driving around the country blowing shit up because you can and then like all these unlikable characters come back and it's like no get off my screen because you're being everyone's just being so fucking mean to each other thank you i i i i that upsets me very much as well in just any kind of storytelling whatever like there's only conflict like can only serve the plot to such an extent before, again, you just have people being mean to each other. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, I haven't watched it for, I want to say like three or four weeks. And I fucking feel better about it. I'll still watch the season premiere every year, though. <laughs> like, as long as it's on, I'll still watch it. Um, that. Uh, and then I just want to bring this one last thing up. Sure. Because a couple weeks ago, and I've been meaning to bring this up, and I keep forgetting. I saw somebody make a post on Facebook about Gotham, and it was very simply a hashtag of an RIP with a character name Ooh. that might get me watching again <laughs> if that character's really dead. It's also uh, season one's on Netflix, so I'll probably just wait for season two to be on Netflix. Yeah, that's a, that, that's the show that's like I don't I can I can wait. Yeah. That was a show we definitely could have used a fast forward button yeah, for it too. I can wait. I can knock it out in like two weekends. Um, do you want to know who it is? Or? Yeah, I know about one who I think I know what it is. Okay. Go ahead and tell me. It was just simply hashtag RIP Barbara. No. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think I'm ready to pick that up again too. <laughs> We're done with Fish Mooney. We're done with Barbara. Oh man. Yeah. So I could totally get behind that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Uh, so yeah, so that's everything for me. You've been watching anything? I'm I'm trying to think. So uh, after our last episode, you and I actually sat and you um, rewatched with me or watched with me uh, the first two episodes of Master, Master of None. None. Yes. Which again, you know, if I can say believe the hype for one thing, it's this. Like this show mm-hmm. is. Phenomenal. I uh, super enjoyed. Uh, we watched the first two episodes. First one was about um, Aziz watching some kids. It's about like kids, parenthood. Well, about kids, having kids. And then the second one was about um, 
Aziz's parents and his Asian friend's parents. Alan and Wang, who... Uh, Alan um, Wang. Alan Yang, sorry, who yeah. co-wrote all the series and all that. Oh, um, really? Okay, yeah. great. That's good. And he was on... Uh, he had a recurring role. Uh, he was in the band Mouse Rat on Parks and Rec as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, that's neat. But um, what an excellent show. I mean, just that one episode. So I actually have been saving it because I wanted to savor it, but then I savored it to the point where I didn't watch any more of it. <laughs> so I need to watch some more of that. Okay. Um, I I had a friend, a social friend, uh, Derek Shoemaker over one night this week, and we were just chatting bullshit. But while we were doing that, I put on the first episode, pilot episode of 30 Rock, which, to fucking freak everyone out, mm-hmm. next year is going to be 10 years old. Hold on a second. Okay. Doesn't that fuck you up bad that 30 Rock came out nine years ago? Not as not as much for me just because I never really watched 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. But it is fucked up. <laughs> I got really into 30 Rock my freshman year of college, which was when they hit like season three. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a bit of a trip. Um, but 30 Rock, I think I consistently watched like the first five seasons and yeah. kind of... I watched the first five seasons, and then I dropped off after that. But solid pilot. What a good. That's a that's a I'd put up there in a, not like a hall of fame, mm-hmm. but like that's a solid pilot. Yeah, it's like here you go, here are your people, here's a situation. This is a situation that could play out over multiple years. So I just really appreciated that. I really want to go back and watch uh, that pilot and, and uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. Because that was like its doppelganger show that came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was like written by Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin appears in like season seven oh, of, does he? of 30 Rock. And they, talk and they about bring it? up they yeah, bring it they up do. as a joke. Of course they do. It's 30 Rock. And he's, he has a fucking great sense of humor about it. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> Something like that. I, I, love, for- I love Aaron Sorkin, and I love that he's probably like a huge dickhead. And I love that. <laughs> I fucking Probably love that. Could be. Um, yeah, man. You know, it's um, it's also, you know, NBA is back in full swing. Yes, it is. Which is fucking killer. Uh, the best show on TV right now is the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> That's hands down. I'll just say that right now. I was just listening to Jalen and Jacoby if, earlier, and they have like, they have like another. I think it's four games. I think it's four games, and they can set the record for best start yeah. ever. They, uh, they should. The Golden State Warriors should win, win an Emmy. Oh, I think that's fair. Yeah, like it's going to be the greatest team of the millennium. I the it is going to be. Everyone here listening who doesn't give a shit about basketball, I will wager you'll hear about it when the Golden Sailors finally lose. Yeah. Because, and it's not because they're going to be bad, but like they're, they're 13, as of this recording, (laughs) they are 13 and 0, which is amazing. What I brought that up for was to say that, um, (laughs) what I really liked about, one of the other things I really liked about 30 Rock was it's so great seeing like, uh, the assemblance of like a team and then having like a superstar power mm-hmm. in like Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And I really, really enjoy that formula of like, we're going to get a bunch of like, usually a lot of improvisers, mm-hmm. a lot of good, funny people who can also act. And we're going to get one 
or maybe two or something, but, you know, we're going to get a superstar. Yeah. And that's what I like. was like, it's so clear from the first moment you see him that Alec Baldwin, like, shoots that show into the stratosphere. Yeah. He is, because he's, he's, I mean, Christ, just been doing it so long. He's done so many different styles. He's, uh, he's, he's got that whisper. This is, if you ever want to do an Alec Baldwin uh, impression, um, you just go down to this register. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and everybody has an Alec Baldwin impression. Uh, and I was always, again, just sort of as like a an, an observer of the show from outside of it. I was always kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop, like kind of how it did with Chevy Chase and Community. Mm-hmm. Whereas like at a certain point, they're going to like get bored with it or, you know, want to do other shit. Which as it turns out for Alec Baldwin, he just got bored with like film acting and stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, oh, okay, cool. Sure. All right. Um yeah, Alec Baldwin's a funny motherfucker too. He is. There, it is undeniable how how much of a comic yeah. skill he is. Like he could have also in his time done the the John Hamm thing, and like been a, this really great dramatic actor. And oh yeah, no, I'm gonna be the funniest guy on earth now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. So um, let's see. So Master and Nun, Thirty Rock. I'm trying to think if I watched anything else. Um, Jessica Jones is gonna come out soon. Well, it is, is out. Oh, it's out. Yeah, is it out today? Yeah, it's out today. Yeah. Okay, cool. Jessica Jones is the second Marvel Netflix series mm-hmm. following Daredevil. Um, don't let the lack of a superhero name fool you or confuse you. She is. She's a private eye. Uh, she's played by what's Jessica you? Ritter. Jessica Ritter, who I find very attractive. She is. Uh, very very hot lady who uh, had a great, great guest turn for a few episodes in season two of Breaking Bad. She was and, like a, that character was like a fucking pivot point in oh, the show. Oh, 100%. 100%. As well as uh, the, one of the stars of Don't Trust to Be in Apartment 23. Um, so I don't personally know a ton about Jessica Jones. She is super-powered. I think like strength, vulnerability. I think she's got limited flight, but she's kind of like a private investigator. This series seems to be really, really focusing on what I understand to just be basically the first real story arc they have, which is her conflict with, as lame as this sounds, um, it's going to be awesome, the Purple Man. Yeah. Who's being played by David Tennant. Right. A former Doctor Who. It's it's literally, say that sentence again. I forgot what the, it was. The, the, the name of the character and then who's playing it. The Purple Man. Lost me. Played by David Tennant. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> Whose power is mind control. Yeah. And you have to think that it's a real honest portrayal of like, what would a really sick person do if they could just force you to do whatever? Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they take this opportunity as kind of like an idea, um, maybe explore, don't have to get too serious with it, but this is a perfect opportunity to explore ideas for like consent and what it is to be a woman and uh you know and like your interactions with the uh, it would men it wouldn't surprise me at all i think like, it's a lot of what it is did you watch the trailer yes i did it's pretty fucking heavy it is i and i i don't know how explicit they're gonna get with things but it's it's pretty heavily implied he really fucks with her really yeah. bad um so i'm hoping it's gonna be good we're gonna see luke cage in this yeah. um uh luke cage who's awesome and who should also have his own series yep. um, following this one, I believe, because um, I think there's a romantic relationship between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. 
So I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, look, and also look, you got to throw me a Matt Murdock appearance. Like I, it'll happen. I need to see it. There were rumors he was going to appear in Captain America three. Oh, were there? Which would flip me out. I would love that. I was actually that is a great segue to the question I'll ask, and then we got to talk about the damn show. Then we have we to watched. talk about what we watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which universe is more exciting right now? The Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel Netflix Universe, the Marvel ABC Universe, or the DC TV CW Universe? You know, it's sinful, but I have not watched a single episode of Flash or Arrow. Neither have I. As much of a comic book fan as I am. But I keep, I mean, I know people absolutely love those shows. Um, and it seems like they're bringing in like all the cool, crazy villains. Like they've had Gorilla Grodd. They've had, uh, they had Killer Shark, Killer Shark, there, which is nuts. Yeah. I like watched that clip to see like how good the CGI could have been. It was like as good as it's going to be for a CW show with a limited budget. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did, I did see Captain Cole. I did start watching something to see Captain Cole and it was not as happy as yeah. I felt like I should. But like I know, uh, recently, either this past week or the week before, they had like a big like universe kind of gathering in that the Flash and and Arrow, Green Arrow, sort of worlds. Uh, they had like this one shot of like 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 seven or eight different people in costume, like Woo. like Hawkman. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, like all them, they are. Check they're gonna come out. out with another show. I do. I need to check it out. Um. Or even just the picture, just check that out. Uh, but wh- which which one of those is more exciting right now? Because they're all pretty like specifically branded as well. I think depending on how, I think the biggest pitfall Jessica Jones might fall into, and the Netflix Marvel universe might fall into, is it just going to get too similar? It's just too urban gritty. Yeah, we're going to need to at some point see something. If everything's going to take place within like a fucking 50 block radius in Manhattan, like it's going to get repetitive. Yeah. You can't deny that. So I I still would say I'm most excited for that, um, given that Daredevil season two is shaping up to be one of the most exciting Marvel uh, properties with the Punisher coming in as an yeah. antagonist. So I'd say Marvel, Marvel Netflix universe right now. I am really looking forward to to Captain America 3, which will be awesome. Um, and then we'll see what, you know, the, just the biggest downfall of, you know, the sadness of the DC CW universe is that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has basically said that they're not going to integrate that at all with their films, yeah. which I think is a huge misstep. Yeah, well, when has Warner Brothers and DC ever really gotten fucking anything just... I know. Completely on the head. They're gonna make a flash. They they have a very mm-hmm. successful flash TV show going on, and they're basically saying we're gonna make a flash movie, and it's not gonna involve the TV flash at all. It's like, so what the fuck are you doing? What guys? are we doing here? Why are we jerking each other off? Exactly. So, um, yeah. So it's gonna be like a big crossover episode between Arrow and Flash. Yes. Um, and they have like Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Um. In there, and I'm trying to pull up the picture to show you. They need to get the JSA going. The JSA is a an older team from the 40s uh, that was very excellently revived by Jeff Johns in the 2000s, who you will know as 
one of the creative directors, executive producers of Flash and probably Arrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that would be stellar. All right, so, yeah, there's that picture. Let me see if I can name everybody in this picture. All right, so we have Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Flash, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Arsenal or Speedy on the far left, even though it, which is awesome because it's not the Roy Harper, the first one, but it's the Mia Darren. Mia, who was like the, the second Speedy, the girl. Who is in this mask right here? Oh, I heard about this. It's some familiar hero, but they really criticized his mask because it looked like Magneto. <laughs> is it Black Lightning? Do you I know? know? I have no idea. But I can't remember who this is. It does seem like both of these shows aren't like shy to bring in like like deeper cut characters. No. Oh yeah. You know, also on um <clears throat> CBS, the Supergirl show is going off. Oh yeah. Which I haven't watched, haven't really listened to. I don't really care. I gotta be honest, I don't care. Yeah, really. neither do I. But the one the one high point is they made a real big deal about like the first primary antagonist, I guess she faces, mm-hmm. and other big comic character. Is Red Tornado, which is really weird, and they don't make any qualms about making him look weird. I mean, he looks like, like a you know a big beat red version of the Tin Man. <laughs> it's awesome, and that is a real deep pull as far as heroes go. So that's yeah. Cool. I mean, we talked about Red Tornado on the uh, the Young Justice episode that we had. Yes, we did. Uh, which is still like one of the one of my favorite shows that we've gotten on this yes. show. Which oh, perfect, perfect transition. There we go. I'd like to talk about this week's show, okay? which is also, not to gloat because I picked it, mm-hmm. but this is one of my favorite shows that we've watched. Is it? Is it really? It is just, the show we're about to discuss, in my opinion, is just completely fun and irreverent and just a reminder of the limitless possibilities of creativity. Mm-hmm. And this show, which I'm gathering you might not feel exactly the same way... <laughs> This show is called Danger 5. Danger 5 was produced in 2012 and going forward in Australia. We're just really killing these Australian shows this year. We are. We're really getting into them. Um, oh, another weird cross-reference. Uh, Miss, what's her name? Miss, Miss Fisher. Miss Fisher. Yeah. The woman in the Babadook. Fuck, really? Yeah. Huh. Nutty, huh? No, I guess Australia only has like one. No one got no, actress. Well, they only got like thirty people in Australia. Okay, that's a good point. That's that's, that's very, the very reason why there's yeah. thirty people who All live right. in Australia. Well, when you put it that way. Um, so, Danger Five was produced in uh, 2012 and going forward in Australia. It is a show that takes place, as Rich uh, very eloquently described in the elevator pitch episode last week, uh, in an alternate timeline of like a 1960s World War II. Hitler is still alive. The Nazis are still wreaking havoc, and it is up to um, the young men and women of this global justice fighting force to try and stop the Nazi plans and, as always, to kill Hitler. Uh, yeah, I like uh, uh, how aged Hitler is. We're getting like old man Hitler. Oh, we're getting old man Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what? Uh, uh, and so, basically, the gist of this, of this pilot episode was uh, the Nazis were stealing monuments and... Uh, <clears throat> And they, he was having a birthday party, Hitler mm-hmm. was. Yes. So uh, the Danger 5 team had to infiltrate the birthday party, mm-hmm. uh, try to uh, get back the monuments, uh, and kill Hitler. That's right, as they always do. 
or as they always try to do. Um, it's this show, this particular episode kind of has a very inglorious bastards tilt to it in the second half, because again, the, the captured, um, members of this fighting squad have to perform as Rich said for a birthday party and they're going to, you know, plan to wreak as much havoc with as many Nazis concentrated at that moment as they can. Uh, yeah. So again, the, the, we, we don't need to really rehash the plot points because no. it's insane. It is. It's, it's very it's, insane. Yeah, it's very. It's fast yeah. and loose. Um, so I'll I'll touch on some more points, but I want to yeah. hear what you have to say, Rich. I I'm going to talk about things I liked about the show. <laughs> okay, go for it. I liked the springtime for Hitler Nazi uniforms. Yes, those were fun. Um, I. They they really stylistically did a good job of nailing the genre, um, and and the aesthetic of it, of this, those type of like exploitation type films. It's very exploitation sixties Thunderbirds kind of yeah weird yeah time period. Like they they did it like again stylistically they got it um, about as right as like Black Dynamite got. Black exploitation films. Yes, right? this is like Nazi exploitation. Yeah. Um, a lot of my qualms really just come with like the structure of the show, and it's possible that the show fixes this in further episodes because it did kind of fix it within the episode, but like it just was. It felt like it. It hadn't decided what it like what point of view or like what it was going to be until like 14 episodes or 14. I watched all the way 14 episodes, by the way, <laughs> uh, I fucking hated it. Uh, uh, 14 minutes in like is like the first real like joke. Um, that there was, and I should have fucking wrote, written it down and I didn't cause I'm bad at my job. Um, but like I made it like, no, it's like, all right. Cause everything up until then was like played straight. And like, I, I get that as well. If you're like playing for satire and you're playing it straight, like, and that's what it was doing up until then. And again, it wasn't really like working for me. Um, and I guess, you know, you can argue that and say the first real joke was their, um, their head, their commander being a giant Eagle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which I would say, which was funny. I guess like what didn't help me was the fact that it was so reminiscent of like, like, I don't know, like Thunder or like Team America, like and and, and it aping that sort of style, um, and it wasn't bringing anything like aside from alternate reality and like a different time setting. Like it wasn't really bringing anything different, uh, uh, like tonally to the table, um, you know. Uh, but. You know, I mean, it was doing what it was doing. I just, it just wasn't for me. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, it was like, it, I maybe chuckled like, a, like once throughout. Um, I'm, I just, just to interject. Yeah. As is the new format to be more conducive to Rich and I's extremely busy lives. Um, we will watch episodes uh, separately uh, and then come together to record sometimes. Sometimes we do still do the old school method yeah. and watch them together. I wish we had watched this together. It probably would have been a different experience. Yeah. 
because you're gonna say you chuckled a few times. Yeah, I laughed out loud like two or three times at some of the. And again, not because I thought they were so clever, but like because a lot of really ridiculous things. Well, like one of the really ridiculous things that they really commit, really committed to, um, was the gag of like people just eating their gun. <laughs> yes, yes, they did that about three or four or five times. Oh, I want to say they did it like eight times. If they did it a lot, like they were definitely going for the rule of a million as opposed to the rule of three on that one. Yes, um, and. Like, it just never got me from, from the get-go, and, like, by the time it kept still happening, I'm like, yeah, I get it. What did you think of the dog, the German Shepherd puppet? MVP of the show. Exactly. That oh, was my great. God. That was, was fucking great. That was, oh, that's, that's straight up, like, fucking Looney Tunes shit. It was. I was going to say, oh, I want I really, one of the only notes I made to mention is, like, I am, for a grown man, I am very amused by puppetry. I love and here's here's what I love about it, and here's what I'm so pissed we didn't talk about earlier in the show. It was fucking silly as shit. Mm-hmm. You know what else was silly as shit? With Bob and David. Yes, it was. And if y'all listen to the elevator pitch, yes. uh, this was the aforementioned uh, show which featured uh, Paul, Paul F. Tompkins yep, uh, as the, the warm-up comic and also uh, repertoire player. Yeah. Yes, Bob and David. You want to do a quick, a quick little aside with Bob and David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's yeah. not really too, too much to talk about. Yeah, but. there's four episodes currently. Uh, four episodes or five episodes were released mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix. Netflix original series with Bob and David. Yes. Obviously, um, they worked together previously on the very famous, very uh, cult successful HBO show, Mr. Yeah. Show. Uh, the four four of the episodes are straight sketch show. The fifth episode is actually an hour long behind the scenes. Yes, which is a really good watch, especially like if you are you know pursuing comedy. It's it's an interesting look. This is another thing I'd put up I, as this thing I just created. This episode, another one of my uh, best of the year. Yeah, the episode five of with Bob and Dave. Yeah, without a doubt. Way sure. like you said, a great look into the creative process into the comedy world. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I yeah I fucking loved with Bob and David. It was so fucking great. Uh, 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 just the way that they're able to blend um, like, you know, edginess and like towing that line of like, you know, offensiveness uh, with pure, just like silliness uh, is fucking great. And also like seriousness, like there's a few sketches in the show where Bob Odenkirk has like now matured in this, fan fucking tastic actor and it has some like really great poignant moments like mm-hmm. in salesman this sketch that they did salesman did you have you watched the whole series or have you watched any of i it, did or? unfortunately with like towards the back half this was like in my late night viewing okay. and i was kind of salesman in particular is something i have to rewatch. yeah yeah and he just has like this moment of truth as this character that is like if you it's fucking profound yeah like in the premise itself, it's like, you know, still silly and it's still, you know, a really funny premise, but you just go back and watch that moment again. You're like, he like brought some of that fucking, some of those chops to like that line, especially, but yeah, just really fucking good. Um, you know, uh, I, I just really liked it and it was, it was what it was. It was getting the band back together and the band just, you know, at a certain point, I can see like this not appealing to everyone the same way Mr. Show didn't. But like, you know, at the end of the day, it is still like you watch that fifth, 
you know, episode. And it's like a writer's room full of like middle-aged white dudes. Yes. You know, and there's only so much perspective. As as good a job as they do, you know, writing for perspective from like other, you know, cultures or demographics or, you know, like points of view. Like it is still at the end of the day, like a writer's room full of middle-aged white dudes. Right. This is not friends of the people. Yeah. This is this is Bob and David. Yeah. Um, and Brian Fussain and, and um uh, uh Dino Stamatopoulos. Yeah. Um, Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman. Yeah. Um uh, uh Odenkirk's uh, uh uh brother. Oh yeah? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad we brought this up too. I have to say, the Mr. Show taste does not completely work for me. And I think it's funny how you and I and our our preferences sort of oscillate back and forth. I much prefer Tim and Eric. And right. I find that there Who are, produced this? Who, who produced with Bob and David? Right, exactly. Just as Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding Bob Odenkirk was really the like the discoverer and promoter of of Tim and Eric Awesome Show. And it there is a I don't want to say that it's age because it's just it's it's prevalent in Mr. Show too. There is, but but I do want to say that I think there is a more of a frenetic ADHD millennial pitch to Tim and Eric that I think hits me harder. Sure, it's 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 interesting because as always, timing is so important. Mm-hmm. I find okay, I find Mr. Show and Bob and Dave to be very slow at times. Yeah exceedingly slow and i find that sometimes that really works to their advantage Mm -hmm. as in like the um what was it called better roots i like better the the idea of better roots (laughs) is hilarious and the pace of better roots works for them but it's that same pace that other times i find takes me out of some things that they do and and in fairness what you said about uh mr show like there was also like a lot of misses on that show as sure. well. Sure. The one of the best things I read was like uh of of Bob and Dave. Somebody wrote us like Bob and David brings back uh Mr. Show magic, inconsistencies and all. Which yes. is true. Yeah. And I will say for fairness, the same pacing that I I think that sometimes Bob and David and Mr. Show lacks was also the downfall of the less successful Tim and Eric things was it was too frenetic yeah. and too weird yeah. and didn't give itself enough time to breathe or have or come forth with a good enough idea. I feel like, you know, and, and a lot of people will try to like describe Tim and Eric as like anti-comedy, which I don't think is a fair assessment or like a criticism or Not try, sure. way to like yeah. try to box them in. But if anything is, I mean, I've heard that about that show. Before. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Um, that, I've yeah. heard it too. And, and like, I've seen I've seen attempts at that as well, and it never goes well. No. Um, but if anything, I'd say like uh, Tim and Eric have an approach of like anti timing as well, and not even so much anti timing as that they just like to try to fuck with the norm of what we know as comedic timing. Well, they definitely want to put you through the paces of, and it gets into the, and one of the aspects I don't like of it is the the. Do it to the point of awkwardness. Yeah, that is uh, that is very prevalent in that, and I don't that that's not seen in in uh, in Bob and David. Mm-hmm. It's just slow because they're just slow. I don't know. Yeah. Again, like I don't want to make it an age what? thing, but something's coming off is just very slow in in the less successful things. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What was okay? So I, I mean, think, there's a difference between coming off slow and like really like letting a beat breathe. I'm trying to think. Um, 
of what just really didn't pop for me. Well, like, okay, so in the first episode, this is like the, this is like the second. All right, the first episode, I you know, they there's this weird time travel thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there's like a, a poker game in which everyone is sort of setting out weird ambitions yeah. that can't really like be... New Year's resolutions. That's yeah. right. That can't be filled yeah. or are, are so ridiculous you'd think they'd never fill them. And I think it serves the story structure well in that they basically hit on all those. And that's one of the things I love about with Bob and David is yes. like every episode like takes you through it. Like there's a thread. Right. And I fucking am just like, you just get a comedy boner for that. Well, cause it like, it at least makes the attempt to like wrap it all together. I'll give you like a writing boner for that. Yeah. But not a, like well, I said, like sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Sometimes well, it's a little forced. I think it always works. I think it always works. And it does give a, a cohesiveness to the show. It's just I don't find it that funny. Well, that's what I mean by like it doesn't okay. always work. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I think I think more of the point is to have the elements connect. Yeah. Than necessarily to have it as like that poker sketch, I don't think it's not that funny. No. And it's not there, but it's not there to be funny. It's there to connect the threads. Yeah, it's there to set up the rest right. of the episode. So I can totally respect yeah. that. But um, um yeah. and if anything, just for uh the 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 Pope sketches in that episode. Sure. <laughs> fucking great. Oh yes, they are. Um, yeah, so that was with, with Bob and David. With Bob and David. So with with Danger Five, I just found it. I I, I understand you uh, you bringing in the comparisons to Team America. Um, I just found it very refreshing. I felt like I liked the production value too, to the point of it was reminiscent of. Um, when kids make movies, it's like when when you and your friends get together in a neighborhood and you want to make a movie, mm-hmm. like that's that's why like it, it was very refreshing and I liked that feel of it, um, and I liked I liked the voice work, I liked sort of the jokes. There's like a joke where they're like begging with the Nazis not to shoot them. It's like oh give us one drink. It's like all right one drink, and then it's a cutaway to like they're all partying, and then just a cut back to what so happened. the exact same positions yeah. they were in. Yeah. I don't know if this show is going to be able to sustain itself, but I certainly really enjoyed watching it. Um, for any of you pot-loving listeners out there, I think getting high for this show would be a great time. Um, yeah, it's a good getting high with strangers show. I, I think I'll give so. it that for sure. I think so. Uh, who was your favorite? Who was your favorite character on the show? On this show, yeah. the show, the German Shepherd dog. <laughs> Well, who's your favorite character played by a human on a the show? A human being? Yeah. Um, um, I thought it was funny how Joseph Goebbels had like a British accent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it is... I I As much as it's kind of like two-dimensional, I like the Russian chick who is like... Well, she's so Russian. She's like drinking vodka and she's a badass and nothing phases her. And she's so petty that like... In this episode, she's jealous that Hitler finds another girl more attractive than she is. <laughs> I think that's very 2D and like kind of weird, but I, I don't mind that. I thought that was cool. Uh, something I thought, something I actually, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Goebbels' uh, accent, because this reminded me of something that I really, really did like in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the idea that more shows are doing this, slowly but surely. Um, and it's a sign of just kind of like, respecting your audience is they do not shy away from subtitles. 
in the show. Yes. Which I respect wholeheartedly. Um, and that was really, really cool. Um, and like, you know, uh, uh, shows like uh, Fresh Off the Boat have been doing that uh, as well. And I'm totally on board yeah. with you about that. Yeah. It makes it harder for when you're like trying to multitask and like do some other shit and like answer some emails. And then you just like hear the grandma on Fresh Off the Boat like talking. You're like, shit, no, go back, go back, go back. What'd you say? Right. Um, but, you know, aside from that, like, good. That's, that's, that's not their problem. Exactly. Yeah. I that, think it is a good thing. It, you know, encourages this kind of multiculturalness. But also, like, the German Shepherd joke wouldn't work. Yeah. If you couldn't, if you couldn't read yeah. that he was speaking <laughs> to people. Um, yeah. Okay. So, who's, who's your least favorite character on the show? Least favorite character. Well, you know, the, I also liked, like, the, let's see, you know, a lot of time was given to, like, the, 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 I mean, maybe that's one of the things that might make the show unappealing is, like, the show's not really about, like, the characters, you know? Well, I mean, like, performance. Like, who's your oh, favorite performance? performance? Yeah, I liked, I liked the red-haired British dude. Yeah. I didn't, there's just, like, the one rant. So, all right, there's, so, of the five, there's a blonde English chick, a dark-haired Russian chick, a red-haired Englishman, um, a a like dark-haired, yeah, Moroccan, yeah. French-Moroccan dude, and whatever. And then, like, some sort of... Maybe it's a, a knock at us, like a schlubby American dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably him. Probably him. But he is the man of action, if anything. He is. He definitely gets some shit going on um, as far as going to rescue people. So... He's like, the American guy's the muscle, the British guy's the brain, the Moroccan guy's the heart. Yeah. And the women are. I mean, I do think that uh, I did want to bring up a criticism of, and you, if you know me, you know that I am very far removed from like a, you know, a political correctness warrior. I really think that that sort of hinders a lot of productive conversations in our society. However, um, there's a couple like, there's like a full-on slap of a woman in this show that I don't really want, I will not sign off of. Yeah. I thought that was like, well, you probably could have handled that differently because yeah. you really kind of just full-on hit that woman in the face yeah. without really bringing any attention to it. So that was one of my one of my problems with the show. Yeah. I, I was also uncomfortable at that point. Um, yeah. And like, I do understand that that also is like a product of the genre. Um, but like, don't do it because the genre does it. Right. Like if you're going to do it because the genre does it, like also point out that, that the genre never should have done it. Right. That You need to bring up how, how heinous of a crime that is to ever be done. Yeah. Or not do it, yeah. you know. Yeah, one of those two things. Yeah, you, you could also make you could it. also just should have not do it, and no one will notice. Yeah, you could not do it. No and one's going to be calling that show out on the internet, saying like they're not slapping enough women. <laughs> you know what that Danger Five show needs? More women getting slapped. More women getting beat. Uh, that whoever's saying that on the internet is probably saying that about every show anyway. Yeah, every so show ever. That garbage person is taking care of their corner anyway. So with our kind of like a with a pretty clear idea of our feelings. If last thing, if you were to make a change to make this something you would be more willing to watch, what would that be? Um, just kind of like pick a lane, cause like 
when it, I felt like when it was starting to like try to like set up jokes and, and, you know, follow through on them, like more often than not, they would, you know, they would be successful. Um, or if you're going to try to just like, again, sort of ape genre, um, and, you know, kind of wink and nod at it, you know, and be satirical about it. Like just, just pick a lane. Like, so you gotcha. Yeah. You feel like they, that one or the other, there's an adherence to the genre where the jokes aren't so much set up and said as they are more elemental things that you see. Well, it's or, just, yeah. Like it's just, it'll go for like long stretches where it's just like, Oh, we're not a joke show. You know, we're like, you know, like we're, we're not writing the show and we're not writing jokes in it, but then there'll be like, then there'll be a small stretch where it's like, Oh yeah. Joke, joke, joke. And so you don't consider, like the nods to production value or the obvious nods to production shortcomings as jokes. They're I don't they're, not as much as joke like unless it's like a very specific gag that happens. Like it's not even like I don't consider it so much joke as just like like uh a well done job at recreating. Okay. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. So this show could be like dead serious. Yeah. But still have like like miniatures and things on wire because it's a that is a genre that's like more of a genre uh like a trope trope than it is a joke i think maybe that's it yeah because i didn't see those those like sequences and stuff as like as jokes as it was so much like yeah that's what they did in these shows i think that i think that generations removed from when something's actually happening get confused about that stuff. Yeah. Like, seeing a miniature Nazi blimp, is that a joke at how shitty the production values are? Mm-hmm. Or is that in homage to the fact that these types of films and shows dealt with limited productions, and that's how they made them? I think that you can make the the distinction uh, in that. Like, if that's what we're, we're going to set up, we're going to set up, all right, uh, miniature, like... Uh, Nazi blimps on a string. Um, you would have to. The thing is, like, if you make it look very, very accurate to the way it looked in the '60s and like when they were doing that on those limited productions, then that's just a recreation. Whereas you have to exaggerate it, and you have to point out. You have to somehow point out the shortcomings of that, and you have to like. Let me put it to you this way. and that, Well, I, I understand what you're saying. I do agree. Yeah. And this is the example that's coming to my head. Uh, and you can confirm or deny. In Black Dynamite, let's say there's a scene where he comes in on the scene and he's acting seriously and there's a boom in the shot. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this correctly. There's a scene where he comes in, there's a boom in the shot, and um, the actor Michael Jai, Michael Jai White. Michael Jai White. Like his eyes flicker up for a second yeah. at the boom <laughs> as the actor, and then they flick back to what the character is <laughs> actually doing. So I think that's that might be that distinction between if the if the character actor acknowledges it, it that's a joke. That's Whereas yeah, like, that's one of the ways you can make that a joke. Yeah, that's a joke because you're yeah. bringing attention to it. Yeah. Whereas like if you just throw a boom in the shot. Mm-hmm. And like you don't bring any attention to it, and people might not notice. It's like, all right, well, that, that's, that's more like that used to happen in the right movies. in the seventies and bad yeah, black so, so like good job, like it's still a good job yeah. by 
keeping that attention to detail or like something, you know, something else would be like, you know, a joke in editing where it's like you cut in on the scene, like maybe like a half a second too early where like they're just starting, like they, you should have cut when they're all already moving, but you cut early enough to where like they're still still. And then like, then they start moving as if they've always been moving Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Just somehow like pointing at like, you know, again, sort of, uh, it's and it's still taking the approach of like sincerity. Like it, they're doing such a good job because there is a level of like, like deep down, like we all really kind of like this played a part in f- like forming us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're gonna recreate and and then like you know, on top of that, make the joke. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing, and we don't have any more time to discuss this. But if I have any qualm with Tarantino. It's that I think that there's this kind of reputation and this plea for credibility that he is emulating these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't feel like he is. I feel like that he is is truly exploiting exploitation films by claiming to be what they are, but not really bringing either... Like any any of the nuances of production value that you might see. Anyways. No, I know what you mean. Uh, as far as like Tarantino goes, I just kind of like consider him a, like regardless of whatever he claims, I just kind of look at him as like a, a, a genre all to his own. That I'm yeah. surprised there haven't there hasn't been an attempt at like a Tarantino movie, you know, like type of spoof movie like that. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you would like have to set a record for the amount of like blood you would use or something. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, I think that'll about do us. I mean, so for the the formal question, yeah, you pick this up or not? Uh, real quick, um, uh, performance that uh, I uh, uh, didn't like would probably be like that French Moroccan guy. Yeah, it was kind of like touche. I don't know why that was given so much focus. He was yeah. like the focus of the episode, yeah. and I didn't really give a shit Neither about it. Uh, my favorite performance. Um, would probably be the chick that double crosses them. Um, you know, I don't even know if she's a good actor or not, but I liked her performances. Yeah, I liked her performances too. So that's where I stand with that. Uh, that said, I, uh, I, I, you know, this is rare. This is rare, but I, I don't pick up yeah. Danger Five. Gotcha. Well, I, I, I see your points. You're my good friend, and I know you're a smart individual, and I even understand what your problems are. But I just my experience just spoke for itself. Like sure. I said, like I laughed out loud multiple times yeah. and could could see just sort of you know again it's popcorn. It's no Breaking Bad, but uh, yeah, I did I did enjoy this show, so I would pick it up. Um, if we weren't friends, would we be stepping outside right now to have a fight? Oh, are you kidding? No, we wouldn't because. It's way too cold outside. That's a great point. We, we would be begrudgingly making amends because <laughs> neither of us want to go outside. All right, yeah, let's go do this. Uh, well, I guess that one part wasn't that bad. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you're kind of a cool guy, so whatever. <laughs> no. Fights drop down dramatically in Chicago in the winter. Very true. Very true. A lot of just violence in general. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a documented phenomenon. Yeah, Chicago goes, winter is coming. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you so much for listening. This is going to wrap up another episode of Picked Up. We uh, we really got into a lot of different stuff here. Hell yeah. And I, felt, awesome. I feel like we weren't just 
like talking to talk. No, all of this n- shit. No, we weren't. We had shit to say about everything that we said. Yes, we did. I'm that very... sounds so redundant, but God damn it! In the world of podcasting, so many people are just talking to talk. Oh, that is very true. No, I'm really happy with this one. Yeah. So uh, again, to all you guys out there, thank you so much for listening. You guys. You really have to understand that the Rich and I could talk till we're blue in the face, but unless someone's listening, you know, it doesn't really become a show or a thing like that. So you guys are invaluable to us. We like to say a lot of the time that we would like to make this more of a dialogue than a monologue. We're not the only ones who have to talk. We would love to get feedback from you guys, and there are a variety of ways that you can do that. You can find us uh, on three distinct ways, really. Um, you can... If you ever feel like it, send us an email. You can email us at pickeduppodcast at gmail.com. You can always find us on Facebook by searching Picked Up Podcast. Or our favorite way, please give us a tweet at Picked Up Pod. We will love to hear anything you have to say. In fact, there is a way for y'all to suggest a show for us to watch. And uh, if you would like, Rich, could you tell us about that process? Yeah, and uh, definitely, please, please, please do this because uh, uh, looking here at the rotation, unless we just fudge it and uh, do a random, it it, it would be um, time for a user pick. So if you would like us to watch a show that you like or would like to see what we feel about it, uh, leave that suggestion on our Facebook wall, uh, Picked Up Podcast on Facebook, and then... To qualify that, officially submit that to the picked up panel of judges. Uh, leave us a review on on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Be it Stitcher, be it uh, Google Play, which we are not on yet because I haven't submitted it, but we will be soon in the future. Um, yeah, shoot us a review, leave us a review, let us know, and um, yeah, and also like if you want uh, me to say some fucked up shit. Um, I read every review. He no will read it. Says. Rich will yeah. read your review. Uh, that's the uh, Podswoggle Network policy. Uh, in that, you know, man, bites me in the ass a lot. I, on the, at this point, three weeks ago on Pods, on Podswoggle, I had to say some very interesting things about Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, Rick. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're doing this thing on Podswoggle uh, now where every month, we have a tournament for the Pondswoggle Championship, uh, and uh, we simulate the matches live on Twitch, uh, and we in the Swoggle Squad can nominate um, anybody to be in the uh, tournament, and for the first pick, I picked um, uh, uh, Grandpa Rick. Oh, uh, So yes. Mullet had to find a, um, a, Grandpa gr- Rick a created skin. Grandpa Rick. And um, it was it was it was a terrifying looking creator wrestler. I bet it was oh. not good. <laughs> oh God! I, and then he almost won. And it was like, oh no, we got to look at this. Oh uh, uh, no, we got to look at this. Oh man. Yeah. Speaking of which, please check out many of the other shows that we're involved in on the Podswoggle Network. You can find Podswoggle, a wrestling podcast with entertainment, as well as Married with Movies, a review podcast done by our. Good friends, Mullet and Sam. Uh, Also on the Arcade Audio Network, please check out Our Father, a very excellent discovered confessional podcast uh, that is curated by Richard and good friend of the show, Rudy Mendoza. Uh, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Those are that's some good shit right there. Uh, any final thoughts, Rich? Anything closing? Uh, no, man. God, good fucking talks today. Good television. You, man. Like we're in a. 
we may be past the the golden age, as it were, but um, that is one of the benefits of there being so much goddamn television is uh, you know, eventually some some really good shit gets made. Heck yeah, I don't know about where you're listening from, but it's fucking cold where I'm at. So <laughs> go ahead, stay in and watch some TV. Bundle up. So thanks for listening to Picked Up. Keep your dial tuned to Awesome. This has been a Podswoggle Network production. Visit podswoggle.com for more of that sweet, sweet entertainment.